Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. This week, our focus is on two long-standing political leaders, albeit of rather differing stature on the international stage. In Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe is clinging tenaciously to power in the face of opposition from the country's army and his own political party. Bill Corcoran was in the Zimbabwean capital, Harare, last week, when the army seized control of the country and put its 93-year-old leader under house arrest. I'll be talking to him shortly. But first to Germany, where the future of Chancellor Angela Merkel suddenly looks a little less assured after talks on a coalition government collapsed at the weekend. Derek Scally joins me now from Berlin. Derek, we all assumed we were getting a Jamaica coalition, so-called because the colours of the Jamaican flag correspond to the colours of the four parties concerned. What went wrong here? What went wrong is that the journey to Jamaica proved far more arduous than people had expected. Uh, This Jamaica coalition was an untried alliance in Germany. Because of the way the election turned out, Chancellor Merkel needed more parties than ever before to form a coalition. One of them was the Green Party. One of them was the Liberal uh, Free Democrats Party. um, And her own Bavarian allies, they're called the CSU. And what happened was they spent the last month doing exploratory talks. And these exploratory talks came to an abrupt end on Sunday night because the Liberal Party, the Free Democrats, they said, we don't see where this is going. We're not very confident that this uh, government is going to hold for four years. And there were long-standing differences on tax and there were long-standing differences on migration that they said had yet to be resolved. They didn't see how they were going to be resolved. And uh, they pulled the plug uh, just before midnight on Sunday evening. And now today everybody seems to be beating up on that party and blaming the leader Christian Lindner for a a cynical ploy rather than a genuine um, uh, kind of manoeuvre on his part. Is is it fair to blame them for the collapse in the talks? Well, I think, I mean, every party in this, there's no saints. They're all looking for power and they're all jostling for the best position. Um, But I think it's fair to say that the FDP has always been quite aware uh, of how they appear in public uh, how their image is, and many people, all of the other parties have suggested that things were really on, on their way to to an agreement, and that Mr. Lindner just walked in and pulled the plug um, just as things were getting uh, coming up to a deadline, but agreement was in sight. I don't think we'll ever quite 100% know what uh, happened on that night, but um, the main thing is I think Chancellor Angela Merkel will never want to work with this guy again. They all looked exhausted on Sunday night. Uh, this is only talks about talks, and they already looked like close to death. So I think after putting them all through that, many of them suspect that he actually didn't even he didn't even want a government. So his brand is very much damaged. And now they're facing into uncertainty because uh, two months after the election, Germany still has no government. Angela Merkel still has major- no majority in parliament. And the peculiarities of the German constitution mean that she actually can't herself force new elections. Uh, she's only an acting chancellor. This all falls to the role of uh, the president, Frank Walter Steinmeier. He's going to hold talks today and uh, see if he can somehow make a square out of this circle. Now, Merkel, one thing that is clear, Merkel has made it um, very clear that she does want to continue in office. Um, she has been chancellor for 12 years. What are her options now? Her options now are to try and go back to the Social Democrats. They're the party uh, she served in with the last term. Uh, This was the second time they had been in power together. Uh, Unfortunately, the Social Democrats have said they don't want to work with Angela Merkel again. They say it's just bad for their party. Uh, Every time they go in with her, they come out with fewer votes in the next election. So uh, that would be her preferred option, a grand coalition, um, a nice, comfortable majority. Uh, That's the type of uh, scenario in which Angela Merkel works best 
with her political style. At the moment, that doesn't look like it's on the table. So it's up to the president to see if he can convince the Social Democrats, interesting enough, his own political party, to change their mind. But at the present, um, the Social Democrats are saying, well, we think uh, Angela Merkel has made a mess of this. We need to go back to the people and uh, ask them what they think. Um, uh, apart from fresh elections uh, or the Social Democrats changing their mind, I really don't see any other options uh, at the moment. And she has already said that she would prefer to have another election rather than going through uh, a minority government or try to run a minority government. Does she really mean that, do you think, or is that a ploy to put the frighteners on the other parties? Yes, well, this minority government, you asked about options, that minority government, it's uh, its never happened in Germany, so it's not even considered an option. Um, but I think, I mean, if you look around Europe, you see countries, even in Britain, where this was no longer an option until it was an option uh, with Theresa May and, and her uh, having to ally herself with Northern Ireland. Uh, so minority governments can happen all the time. Only a few years ago, uh, uh, this was unthinkable. And in Ireland, we have a sort of a supply uh, and demand uh, option where uh, there is a sort of a, an agreement for a period of time, a few budgets, and then uh, the government can fall. So uh, I think uh, maybe Germany needs to look around Europe for other options if nobody wants fresh elections, but the Grand Coalition is off the table. And is, is there any indication, Derek, if there was another election that the outcome would be any different? Uh, at present, no. I mean, this is the thing. They would fight another exhausting election. They're exhausted as it is because they went straight from the election into coalition talks. So they're looking like zombies. They would have to plunder their party uh, kitties to fight another election. The result would probably be pretty much the same for all the parties. The risk is that people would be annoyed at having to go to the polls again because the politicians couldn't get it together and more people would throw their weight behind the alternative for Dutch. And that's the far-right party. Now, they got 95 seats in Parliament. They need to want to be a fairly high-roller uh, poker player if you wanted to risk uh, giving them any more support in the next election. So I think we've got a couple of uh, tough weeks ahead where the president will be not knocking heads together and saying, uh, are you playing politics or are you actually interested in governing? Because he said yesterday, everyone runs an election for power uh, and when the people hand you power, you cannot just give it back to them. So that's where we are at the moment. It's sort of a philosophical, moral stage of uh, after the shock of Sunday evening. Uh, that will probably last for a couple of days. But we'll see what happens. I mean, Angela Merkel has been in tight situations before her first time she came to power in 2005, she looked like a dead woman walking, but she pulled off a grand coalition, uh, and she's been quite stable ever since. I think her, her authority has been damaged by the election result. It was a disaster for her party, the worst in almost 70 years. But I think she's pulled off uh, tricky things in the past, so um, we shouldn't rule her out just yet. And now, Derek, you're a seasoned observer, not just of uh, German uh, politics, but, you know, the um, broader European um, scene. And this kind of instability in Germany um, has implications not just for that country, but, but, but also for the EU. I mean, what, what would you see as, this, say, the specific implications for the Brexit talks, for example? Yes, well, in the Brexit talks, uh, we're, we're, we're heading definitely, I think that there's a greater risk to the Brexit talks then German democracy at present, because uh, EU leaders were going to meet uh, early next month for a another uh, summit, and the, the Brexit talks were going to be uh, dominating that. They will still dominate the agenda, but the biggest, most influential member uh, of the European Union, Germany, will not be in a position to um, throw its weight in either direction. Chancellor Merkel is an acting chancellor now. So uh, we saw some signs of thaw, I think, between Chancellor Merkel and Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, uh, in the last time they met. 
in Brussels. And uh, the notion that that poll might continue and perhaps a pragmatic deal would be on the cards to break the deadlock that we're seeing in Brexit talks, that now seems less likely if Angela Merkel feels, well, politically, uh, I'm just uh, I'm just keeping a seat warm. I don't have a mandate. That's on Brexit. The other issue is on, on Eurozone reform. The French uh, president, Emmanuel Macron, has put forward rather radical proposals to drive forward European integration, to, to make the Eurozone a tighter alliance, and to have even a finance minister for the Eurozone. Uh, whether that's, Germany has always been cool on that, uh, but his hopes of pushing forward uh, that agenda or at least arguing in public and uh, with Germany over it and, and driving forward some sort of a compromise, that uh, now also seems very unlikely as long as there's no government in Berlin. Okay, now Derek, you know, you're on your way to the Bundestag and um, so I'll, I'm going to let you go now in a sec. But just before I do, um, I'm going to ask you to take out your crystal ball and tell us what's actually going to happen over the next two or three weeks. I think what's going to happen over the next two or three weeks is the Social Democrats are going to be facing the ultimate catch-22 situation. Uh, either they go back into government with Chancellor Merkel, uh, a grand coalition that they swore they would never do, um, but they might do it if they can extract a very high price. I don't think they'll get her head on a plate, but they might get very, very high demand because they are her, her last hope. The other option really is that they go back, they force a general election by refusing to work with her, and then they have this terrible situation after the election that uh, either they work with her again, which they refused before the election, uh, or they have to go in with a hard left government. And that is even less appealing for them. They don't want to work with the post-communist left party. Uh, so I think what's going to happen is uh, that the, the, the younger leaders in the Social Democrats will have to say, you know what, we can go to the election and get exactly the same result as before, which was a disaster force, or we extract a very high price from Chancellor Merkel, perhaps uh, even from the opposition benches, such as in Ireland, we'll work with them unofficially for two years uh, if she agrees to go midterm, something like that. Uh, I think there'll be a high price. I'd be very surprised if they go for elections again. Okay, you heard it here first. Derek, I'll let you go. Thanks very much for that. Good stuff. Yeah, well, let's let's see how my crystal ball functions. Like. <laughs> Journalists and predictions, it's a terrible. We can we can re can we do the other answer now? That I'm sure yeah. they will go for fresh elections, and we can we can retrospectively re-edit the uh, the podcast. No, no, I, I can see us replaying this clip in about three weeks' time. We're oh no, it's it. the old danger yeah. of journalists for, uh, journalists confusing what they hope will happen, yeah. what will probably happen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Talk to you later. Thanks, Derek. Cheers. Well, Angela Merkel's 12 years in office is an impressive record by the standards of a modern European democracy. But she has a long way to go before she matches the 37 years that Robert Mugabe has held the reins of power in Zimbabwe. Once widely praised as a hero of the African liberation struggle, Mugabe is now viewed by many in that continent and beyond as a tyrannical leader who has ruined his country by staying in power too long. The writing has been on the wall for him since last week, when the Zimbabwean army took control of the state broadcaster and the main thoroughfares of the capital city, Harare, and placed him under house arrest. His political party, ZANU-PF, has fired him as its leader and is instigating proceedings to have him impeached. But Mugabe has confounded his critics by refusing to resign. Bill Corcoran was in Harare last week when the army moved in and he joins me now from Cape Town. Bill, uh, Robert Mugabe is not going quietly, but it's it's pretty clear, isn't it, that we're witnessing the final days or perhaps even the final hours of the Mugabe regime? 
Yes, it certainly looks like that. Um, and that would be the wish of pretty much everybody in Zimbabwe at the moment. Um, I think um, as we talk, it's about 12 o'clock uh, in Ireland on Tuesday and Parliament in Zimbabwe is just about to convene. Um, and impeachment proceedings are about to get underway. Uh, this has been carried out by ZANU-PF because uh, Mr Mugabe has refused uh, to stand down despite being given every opportunity to do so and given a number of assurances that him, his personal safety and that of his wife and children and his wealth will be safeguarded. So he seems, seems to be um, taking the very stubborn route and we just have to see what happens over the course of the next few days. And um, in terms of latest developments, um, as you say, while the, the, these impeachment proceedings are about to begin in Parliament, he called a cabinet meeting for today, didn't he? Uh, yes, it's, it's very, very strange what's going on. Like he seems to be ignoring pretty much everything that's going on around him. Um, he was made aware yesterday that um, impeachment was was going to be the, the next step if he refused to um, stand down. And he proceeded to um, state that he wanted to call a cabinet meeting. There hasn't been one since um, the military took over last week, and they usually have one every week on a Tuesday. So this will be a normal cabinet meeting. Um, yet ZANU-PF has ordered all the ministers to ignore his call and to attend parliament today for the I impeachment. And can you tell us a bit more about what impeachment involves? The suggestion is that this can all be done within about two days. Is that um, realistic? Um, it, it would be realistic if they can fast track the whole process. Um, what is likely to happen is um, the motion will be put to both houses, um, uh, the House of Assembly and the Senate. The motion has to be approved by a 50% majority um, of both houses. And then a committee from both chambers will be appointed to investigate the motion and the accusations in the motion. Um, should the committee support those charges, the president then can be removed if both houses back them with a two-thirds majority. And for the impeachment to go through, Bill, it will require the support of the um, opposition movement for democratic change, isn't that right? Yes. Um, the problem for ZANU-PF is that um, while the vast majority of the country um, don't support Mr Mugabe anymore, um, there are a number of ZANU-PF MPs that are still aligned uh, to his wife, Grace Mugabe. And so the party isn't certain that those MPs uh, will support their motion. Uh, even though ZANU-PF does have a, um, um, a vast majority, a significant majority in, in, uh, in, in Parliament and in the Senate, they, to ensure that their um, motion of impeachment is carried, they will ask the MDC and other opposition parties to vote with it. Those parties have indicated that they are very open to uh, backing um, the, the motion, but they will put a few conditions on the table that they hope will be met, I'd imagine. But even saying that, I can't see them even whether those conditions are met or not, I can't see them not backing the motion at the end of the day. Everybody wants a clean slate bar those ZANU-PF MPs that were aligned to Grace Mugabe. And so, Bill, it's, it's obvious that the MDC have an interest in, in, in seeing Mugabe's removal, but is there an opportunity then here for them to have some leverage in terms of what might happen after Mugabe goes and what kind of dispensation might emerge afterwards? Well, that's, uh, that's probably what they're thinking. And there's been very little talk at this stage about what will happen afterwards. Uh, there's um, no, uh, there's a little talk that it will have to be some sort of transitional arrangement and um, a unity government. 
Uh, and if that were the case, uh, then you would, uh, they would probably be looking for concessions in relation to that and positions um, that would give them a certain amount of power going forward. Um, it, but ZANU-PF itself haven't really addressed that. It's more uh, these ideas have been floated by members of the public and analysts wondering what's going to happen yet. ZANU-PF have kept very quiet about what they're going to do after this. So we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Now, Bill, this crisis was probably triggered really when uh, Mugabe sacked his vice president, Emerson Manangagwa, who was um, a longtime ally, another hero of Zimbabwe's War of Liberation, which which brought an end to white minority rule in what used to be Rhodesia. Um, Many saw this as a manoeuvre by Mugabe to clear the way for his wife, Grace, to succeed him. Isn't isn't that really where, where this started? He overreached there, really, didn't he? Yes. Um, basically, it's uh, what's going on in ZANU-PF is a factional battle. It's between the old guard and the new guard. Um, Emerson Mungagwa will be considered one of the old guard and uh, Grace Mugabe um, had the support of many of the n- younger generation of uh, politicians coming up through ZANU-PF. Is it a foregone conclusion that Mungagwa will succeed Mugabe at this point? Um, is it a foregone conclusion? Uh, mo- the vast majority of people expect this to happen. Um, he is was the was the main contender to take over from Robert Mugabe um, before he was sacked. Uh, he is one of the major power brokers in the party. He has a lot of support. Uh, in ZANU-PF, but also he has a lot of support in the intelligence services and the military. Um, the military have referenced him on a number of occasions um, already, and they said yesterday that um, he was going to be on his way back into the country. Because he um, fled, just to point out, he, he fled to South Africa after he was sacked, fearing for his own yes, safety. He, he was threatened. Um, he, he actually released a statement this morning saying that um, he won't come back until his safety is assured. He recounted what happened to him in the days after he was fired. He said he received a number of death threats and had been told by the intelligence services that he was about to be arrested. And if the arrest went ahead, he would be taken in and murdered. And if he does succeed, Mugabe, what does that mean for his this future of Zimbabwe? Because as mentioned already, he was a long-standing ally of Mugabe. Is it simply replacing one tyrant with another? Or is there a hope that even he might bring about some kind of real reform? Well, that is the big question. He has a, an appalling human rights record. Um, he is known as a party hardliner. So he he would have dictatorial tendencies. Or, um, but so what is the what 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 will happen next? Um, does he want to repair his legacy and move the country forward, or does he want to install a similar regime um, that Mugabe had installed to and protect himself and his cronies and sort of basically set off another dictatorship? And um, so it's it, it, things have to be thought out very carefully by uh, all the players in this in this drama because um, it's not clear cut what's going to happen and the, for the country to move forward they're going to need a lot of international help so the international community are going to have to take a get a number of strong assurances that the the process will move the country towards um, a very open and democratic country because that's what they'd want to invest into. And just, Bill, what what do you think the future holds for Mugabe himself and for Grace Mugabe? Because I presume his refusal to resign has sort of undermined their chance of negotiating some kind of deal on their behalf. Yes, the future of Grace Mugabe. Well, actually, Grace Mugabe comes from South Africa. She was born and bred in South Africa. So the... 
The place she could have gone to um, to seek refuge would have been her home country. But uh, um, the listeners probably don't know, but um, a couple of months ago, she was charged with assault in South Africa and um, there's a court case pending her here. So uh, that takes South Africa off the table. She would likely probably uh, be allowed for the for the good of the process and the nation. I'm sure some other country in the region would take her in. But um, her days of um, lavish living um, are certainly will be reduced. Uh, I'm sure she has a lot of money stashed away. They, the Mugabe's ha- have have been busy um, while they've been in power and they've communi- accumulated a large amount of wealth. Um, but it could all go wrong for her too. If if he if um, Bob Mugabe doesn't stand down, you she could disappear. Um, she she is accused of trying to poison Emerson Mnangagwa in in July and August, and um, so there there was no love lost between uh, the person who's likely to come in as a new leader and herself. And if Mugabe doesn't stand down and he's forced to go through the whole impeachment process, all the concessions that they had been granted would be off the table. So you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, OK. And Bill, just to, to, to wrap it up, I mean, I presume um, if, say, um, the, the succession goes through and the, the, the preferred candidate, um, Emerson Manangagwa, does become uh, president, there's still at some stage in the not too distant future, there's a generational um kind of shift coming here, isn't there? So that if the reforms don't come now, I presume there's a hunger among a younger generation in Zimbabwe to take the reins of power and actually to create a kind of different Zimbabwe. What do you think the, the long term or even the medium term future holds for that country? I think the best uh, the best case scenario would be that the Emerson Mugabe wants to move the country forward, uh, build a positive legacy for himself. He's 75 years old. So he would introduce reforms um, under a unity government that would be around for maybe three to five years. And after that, there would be free and fair elections. That's what the vast majority of Zimbabweans would want to see. And he is suggesting that that is the way things might progress. But he's also from a regime that has kept a tight grip on power for the last 37 years. It's really down to what ZANU-PF and how they want to take this process forward. Uh, everybody else is really merely spectators at this stage. OK, well, it's a very fast moving story, Bill, and uh, you, you'll be monitoring it over the coming days and weeks. And let's see what emerges. But thanks very much for that analysis today. Thank you. That's it for this week. For more on these and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.